Special thanks to Sherard Coos for helping us bring you today's PO Leadership's Snippet Podcast. Welcome to our Snippets Podcast. I'm Leon Gorin, CEO and President of PO Leadership, North America's premier peer-to-peer network and leadership advisory firm. Today, we welcome Jason Goldman's President of Goldman's Appliance and Vice President of TG Appliance, and TG being Tasco and Goldman's Appliance, which merged about eight years ago and a member of Michelle Kalpin's advisory team at PO Leadership. Goldman's Appliances was founded over 40 years ago by Jason's father and mentor, Tony Goldman's, who passed in 2013. Today, TG operates with 14 locations, although, as like many of us, they've now become accustomed to serving customers with the same passion and service online. Jason, it's great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Leon. So, Let's jump into talking about family business. You grew up in a family business, and now you're working in the family business. And I know we've got lots of listeners that are interested in terms of what's it like to work in, in a family business? What's it like to grow up in a family business? Are there any insights or any advice you can share with them? Uh, stay away from it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, no, you know, growing up in the business, like many family businesses, first generation to second generation, you've got the typical dynamics with everybody hands on humble beginnings. I watched my parents uh, struggle for a long time trying to keep the business going. My mom gave up a nursing career to raise the kids, four kids. I'm the oldest of four at home. And my dad uh, started up with about $2 to his name and um, did everything he could to keep it going and, and build a brand. So, you know, we grew up, you know, I was slugging appliances and through high school and helping me put myself through university. My brothers, I have two twin brothers behind me that were also involved in the business. My young sister actually went into teaching. She was a smart one. But uh, it, it, my dad was a mentor. He was he was actually my best friend. And we kind of grew together and, uh, before he passed uh, 15 years before that. You talked about, that's a, you know, it's such a great story. I mean, with the the fact you call your dad a mentor or your best friend um, is so huge. Like I, I see so many families where it, it's, it's definitely not like that. As you grew up and your father was sort of mentoring you, what type of leadership styles, what did he help you out with in terms of making you the leader you are today? You know, Leon, my dad was a, a mentor to not just me, a lot of people. He was a genuine, humble, pleasant guy that genuinely loved the business he was in. And he was just like a source of gravity. People just kind of flocked to him because he was always happy, always saw the glass half full. Uh, it took a lot to get him upset or stressed. And they were different. It was a different time back then. But somehow he was able to run the business and still be helping coach T-ball at soccer practice. He was the ultimate quintessential family man. Family was first for my, my parents and my dad. And um, there's still a big hole there where he, he's gone now. But his legacy lives on through his family and friends that knew him well. Uh, but that's the biggest thing is he was just a genuinely happy person that loved to have his kids and his family around the business and never expected to do major things in life or become the next Jeff Bezos. But he was just happy to have his kids and his family around and part of the team. And did the family, like including yourself, was this your first job? Like, you know, I always hear the talk about, I don't want my kids to be in my business at first. Let them go work somewhere else and they come work in our business afterwards. Was it the same for you guys? Uh, not really. And my dad never suggested we come into the business. I mean, my first job was a paper route. And I worked at Canadian Tire, did a few things. But when I went to Western, and the idea was for 
to go and get my undergrad and then take a few years off and do the MBA. Uh, but at the time, there was a lot to be done. And I, I, when I did my, my BA at Western at Kings, I, I came back and I ended up going to the office. I got, I got a taste of it, the marketing, the sales, there was a growth opportunity. So I, I kind of never went back for my MBA. And I, I, I joked that my dad had his honors business from Laurier and, and uh, he went up me still to this day, but uh, I kind of just went into it. I, I loved it. I learned as much on the truck delivering appliances for customers as I did in the office. And uh, I just didn't have the appetite to go back to school. Um, now, I would not give advice today. It's different now. But 20 years ago, it was a decision that um, that I made that I, I still, I don't regret. Because um, I got a chance to work with them. And we were just two peas in a pod and kind of just fell into it. That's such a great story. That's, that's awesome. Now, I, I know you... you um, you started something called the game uh, a number of years ago, and this year it's a little different. It's um, you know it was a game, it was a charitable event that you had done. It was a, a memorial. Um, can you maybe tell us a little bit? Of, tell us a little bit of the history of it, but what you're planning to do this year as well? Okay, well, specifically the the game as a, we call it, it's a Goldman's annual memorial event. So about uh, nine years ago, I lost my my son Hunter in a, a tragic accident. And then shortly after, I lost my father, Tony, to, uh, uh, to, to this cancer. Um, and it was a really dark time. And I, we had gone through the merge at the very same time. And the, the game was just a way of me celebrating uh, both two great souls, uh, my son and my, and my father. And it kind of spiraled from an industry event and it, it grew. And so it was an annual golf uh, day at Glen Abbey in, in their honor and on behalf of the COIO, which is a charity that the, the proceeds have been going to. And uh, last year, like everything, like a common story, things were disrupted or halted because of COVID. And then again this year. So because we couldn't do the physical game event at the course, we decided to take the prize table, which is pretty significant. Um, it's about $100,000 worth of prizes that our generous suppliers and trade partners have helped us procure. And we're doing an online raffle that can reach a lot more people for you know $5 tickets, uh, which is coming up in a month from now to try and help this struggling charity that uh, I've become quite attached to and Tony and Hunter's uh, honor. Um, and it's really cathartic. It makes me feel good to, I know it's cliche, but to give back, it, it kind of keeps them top of mind and aware in, in their memory and uh, bring, bring some good to uh, some, some disabled and less fortunate kids that desperately need to be able to utilize these camps. It's such a shame that this COVID has disrupted even that aspect of, uh, of it. So yeah, we're, we're going to try and see what happens this year and, and go from there. So, Jay, I know that our members will know where to go, but so many people listen to this podcast. If you're just an outsider listening in today, where could they go to find out more if they wanted to? Well, in about a week from now, we're going to release it on actually it's a goldmans.com website um, okay. slash kids, kids camp raffle. There'll be a thing right on the main page they can go to and We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit of social media and, and, and awareness and public awareness going on. So they'll definitely hear about it, even without that. But uh, it's just our humble way of trying to keep something going and for all the right reasons. And um, To be honest, this might be a net positive because we with the, there might be more proceeds coming from more awareness for all the right reasons. So uh, as opposed to an insular industry sort of a, a one-day event, this might have a better chance to do more. So. Uh, it, it might be in that positive, having said that. So we're, we're crossing great. our fingers. That's great. So let, let's take it back now, back into the to the business side of it. And 
Um, I know you've been at PO for, for more than a year, but um, we're back in March 2020, April 2020, pandemic hits. We're now sitting a year from, the, from that point in time. Talk to me about any big surprises that sort of hit you that you wouldn't have predicted back then. <laughs> so everything worked out perfect. Everything worked out perfectly as we expected. For one, I didn't think I'd be sitting. For one, I didn't think I'd be sitting in my bedroom having this conversation with you because my two kids are occupying the den and the, uh, the family room for this conversation because they're homeschooling. Uh, the the second thing, to be blunt, is our sales have gone up, which is strange. Uh, we thought the role was going to crash from a sales perspective when our stores were closed down, but this ridiculous housing boom that has been prompted by the cheap boring costs and people's uh, desire to move and to greener pastures, I guess, is uh, we're, we're, we're fortunate to be tied to the housing industry. So we're selling a lot, but we, like so many retailers, we can't get the product. Uh, our suppliers and supply chain is just been just been crippled by the lack of stock and parts, which is something that's been talked about on the news and everywhere, like so many industries, uh, short supply is really, it's a double-edged sword. So sales are up, stock is hard to get. The frustration level has never been higher for customers and trying to manage that has been a huge struggle. Um, one we never, we didn't foresee that either is the stock shortage and the sales up. That disconnect has been uh, a huge uh, stumbling block for us. It's funny, I, we were out talk, looking at bikes uh, this past weekend, and you start reading about the bike industry, and they're saying inventory will be meet 20% of the demand this year. That's all the bikes that are coming into this country this year. Is it the yeah. same for appliances? Like, do we just, is the year done or will it well, catch up? Well, funny, anything tied to home or cottages. So your bike store is the same as for barbecues or uh, outdoor, anything to do with outdoor or home recreation pools. It's, it's all the same. Now, appliances isn't as bad. Uh, there is stock. The problem is the, the, the amount of choice we've been accustomed to the last few years. Uh, there are thousands of SKUs uh, almost made to order. And the supply chain is really shrunken back to just a certain amount of things that are coming. So... It, it, it's there is stock. You're just going to have to wait longer for it. And we're not used to saying, you know, sorry, see us in three to six months. And when people bought prior and have houses closing and they can't get the stock because the whole just in time system is no longer just in time, uh, it, it really is a disruptor. So you've got the patient's expectation now is much different, and it's probably going to be another six to eight months before we get back to whatever the pre-COVID normal is. Um, but yeah, it's, it, we're, we're definitely not there yet. What about the customer experience? I know like we're in a, a lockdown again here for what, six weeks or something. Yeah. Nobody retail yeah. shut down the move to virtual stores in terms of people being able to see what you've got or online. How's that working? Like, has it really transformed the business for you guys? Well, to be blunt, uh, it's propelled our online activity more by a few years. So our percentage of sales online is, is infinitesimal to, our, to obviously our in-store. But when people are spending five, ten, fifty, dollars $100,000 on appliances, that's not something you're going to buy online yeah. uh, unless you're forced to. So our, our online is a combination, not just the, the, the e-commerce, but also the virtual chat, the FaceTiming, the, the, the digital aspect of it is getting our salespeople to now engage on an omni-channel opportunity. So we're sinking a ton of resources into that and trying to adapt. And I think a lot of it will stay post-COVID. People are now comfortable more so than they may have, they would have been buying online or talking to people through the phone or through, you know, the the webs, the, the webcast. So I, I 
yes, we're, we're adapting, but it's still a shame when we've got such great, beautiful, experiential stores not being utilized uh, for those bigger type of purchases. Purchases. Okay, and, and just the last thing, and then you know, you and I were chatting about this, and one of the other it wasn't a big surprise for you, but you mentioned your people and you know having them step up over this past year has just been an incredible incredible thing and it's been like that for a lot of organizations but maybe uh, elaborate a little bit on that in terms of i don't think it was a surprise for you but it was it really made a difference 100% i i i'm humbled and excited and and it doesn't keep this covid doesn't keep me up at night in a way because we know how our team came and stepped up the leadership the trust people just working from home and uh and, and making things happen everything from our it department to our, our service uh, the troops really rallied and our, the salespeople going through everything at the stores and there were so many changes and 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 reactions and pivoting uh, that word pivot's been abused in our in our industry but i couldn't be happier about our team and i think in a lot of ways it's made us stronger um it, a lot of the fluff gets cut out when you have to really step up and, and say okay what are we going to do here so from a strategy and a leadership perspective, I think TG is stronger uh, because of COVID in many ways than we were before. And I, and, the, and I know it's cliche, people in a business where we have SKUs that can be bought anywhere by big box online, the people are the difference on the front lines and, and throughout the process, those touch points. So I'm more confident than ever that we, we we're doing the right things, maybe not fast enough for some people, but we know our, our place in this world as far as appliance retail, and we've got a path. and. Just glad we've got a team to rely on. So I, I'm going to ask you because I, I truly believe culture and the inspiration and engagement of people always starts at the top. Is there anything you can share with us that you guys do that really took your people to another level, inspired them, engaged them? What are you guys doing at the leadership level that's really made a difference here? I think I mean, outside of the, you know, the, the town halls and the little thank yous, I, I think what we've done is we've enabled our most of our management teams to make decisions on their own in real time without the typical red tape or second guessing. Um, not so much ask for forgiveness instead of permission, but we've really engaged and allowed them to, to, to respond almost within a business, within a business mentality. So I don't know if that's a, a specific answer, but the I trust think that's a great the, answer. The, 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 it's trust. We, we've extended trust that we might not have out of necessity, and it's absolutely amplified back and raised the bar uh, across the board. And it's almost tangible, Leon, that we've seen performance. The performance bar has been raised uh, and meeting challenges without having to micromanage or expect. They're doing things proactively, um, and in a remote environment where it's t- it's hard to do digitally. You, you know, you miss the buy-in and that culture at the office and the water cooler talk and the you know, that uh, mojo. And I do wish some of that does come back in time, but we have a new level of trust for our leadership team and we just keep, you know, uh, celebrating that. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing that, Jason. That's, that's great. So Jason, I want to thank you for joining us and again, sharing your insights. Um, If you're interested in our live webcast, The Way Forward Live and any other snippets, please take a moment and visit us at poleadership.com. You'll find on our site various previous recorded webcasts, which include guests such as Professor Janice Stein, Harvard's Rosabeth Cantor and Michael Beer, Robert Chestnut, Dr. Greg Wells, Dr. Jason Selk, Mitchell Goldhart, and many more as we cover such topics as mental health, leadership, the world reset, and a host of others. 
Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again shortly. Thanks very much, Leon.